are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. We're in John chapter 3, and let's look down beginning in verse 13. It says, And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. We're going to mention that tonight. He is there. And as Moses lifted up the servant in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And so tonight, our focus is on lifting up the Son of Man. Tonight, we desire to lift His name on high. Jesus was, in fact, God, but He was also the Son of Man. I love that song, Who Was That Man? The Man of Galilee. He made the lame to walk and caused the blind to see. He cleansed the spotted leper. He spoke with authority. He broke the chains of sin and set the captives free. He was so much man that he slept in a boat. Yet he was so much God that the wind ceased when he spoke. He was so much man that he wept when Lazarus died. Yet he was so much God, Lazarus came forth when he cried. He was so much man that he thirsted at the well. Yet he was so much God that he saved her soul from hell. He was so much man that he died upon a tree, but he was so much God that he rose in victory. May I say tonight that Paul captures the humanity and deity of Jesus Christ in a powerful way as he pens the words to the Philippian believers in Philippians 2, verse 5 through 11. He says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and, that, and under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The fact that Jesus made himself of no reputation simply means that he emptied himself of several of his divine rights. He emptied himself of his divine glory as he temporarily veiled his glory from humanity. Some were able to see brief glimpses of his glory through the miracles that he performed and through his preaching and teaching on forgiveness and hope and love. Yet many still did not see his glory, especially his own family members. As John testified in chapter 7 and verse 5 of his gospel, for neither did his brethren believe in him. He also emptied himself of eternal riches as he left the blessings, the glory, the riches, splendor of heaven, knowing his destiny that he would die on Calvary's tree. He knew that he would be despised and rejected of men. The Bible says he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And I'm reminded of 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9 tonight. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich... Yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might 
be rich. May I submit to you tonight that Jesus was born in a borrowed stable. He was a human baby placed in a borrowed manger. He was a man that used and borrowed a boat to teach the multitudes of people. He fed thousands with a borrowed lunch. He spent uh, 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 his life not having his own home or own bed. He borrowed a bed and borrowed a home. He rode into Jerusalem as a king on a borrowed colt. He observed the Lord's Supper from a borrowed room and he was mocked as a king and beaten with a borrowed robe that he wore. And then he was placed in a borrowed tomb. Jesus gave up the riches and the glory and the splendor of heaven as he became a humble man. And as I consider man, I'm reminded what is man that God is mindful of him. As I think of Paul who said, I am the chiefest of sinners. As I think of Peter who said, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. As I think of Isaiah who saw the Lord high and lifted up and said uh, uh, of the Lord, he, he said, I am a man of unclean lips. He said, woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips and dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And as I consider man, it's easy for us in life to say, hey, what do you expect? I'm just human. But I'm thankful tonight as we consider the humanity of Christ, Jesus was not just human. He was also, in fact, God. Jesus set aside His divine rights without surrendering His divine ability, uh, uh, without surrendering His divine abilities. He poured out His life for us and shed His blood for you and me. Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but He washed it white as snow. Jesus didn't come into a perfect world, and He wasn't born to a perfect setting. He came to a troubled world full of sin and pain. He was born into poverty and grew up under the Roman oppression. This world will never be perfect until the King of Kings comes to set up His kingdom again. We must also remember that God didn't have to come. He didn't have to endure all of this. And He definitely didn't have to give up His life for our sins, but He chose to come for you and me. He chose to leave the glory and splendor of heaven to dwell among us. He chose to live with us, to know us, and to love us. And as we consider His humanity tonight, it's truly amazing to consider God, the Creator of the universe, robed in human flesh. Jesus was literally and physically born as a baby, Luke chapter 2 records for us Mary as she carried baby Jesus in her womb for nine months and gave a natural birth to him and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. Jesus grew up like every other normal boy. Luke chapter 2 records uh, for us when he was eight days old and then we see him as he's 12 years old. His family travels to Jerusalem for the Passover. On their way back, they can't find him. They come back and after three days they find Jesus in the temple. And I love this in Luke chapter 2 and verse 48 and 49. When they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? She said, Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. Consider that. He said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wish ye not that I must be about my father's business? Jesus at the age of 12 knew in fact that He was the Son of God and that He needed to be busy about His Father's business. 
We're not told very much about his childhood, but we know that in his early life that he was an obedient child. As verse 51 of Luke chapter 2 tells us that he was subject unto his parents. Young children here tonight, I hope that you'll remember that Jesus, our perfect example, was obedient to his parents. Verse 52 tells us that he increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. He increased in these areas. He developed physically and mentally like a normal other boy would. And yet he had brothers and sisters like a regular family. Jesus became a hard worker as he grew into manhood. He was called the carpenter in Mark chapter 6 and verse number 3. And I get tired of seeing paintings and such like of our Savior that look feminine. I would submit to you tonight, I have never met a feminine carpenter in all of my life. Carpenters are strong men, they're masculine men. And when we stop and consider that Jesus cleansed the temple twice, He did it at the beginning of His earthly ministry, and He did it at the end of His ministry. And as we consider that He overturned the table of the money changers, at one point He made a scourge and He came in and He drove out those who were changers of money. Jesus was a very strong and a very masculine man. As we consider His manhood, Jesus was a man of Nazareth. His hometown is, is recorded for us in Luke chapter 4. But just as Jesus was strong and masculine, we also know that He had feelings and emotions just like every other human. He was hungry and thirsty in John chapter 4 and tired after His long journey. Jesus... We find, sleeping during a, we find Him sleeping during a trip across the Sea of Galilee in Matthew chapter 8. We see Jesus weep over Lazarus in John chapter 11. And then we see Jesus angry and grieved over hardened hearts in Mark chapter 3. This was a righteous indignation. We see Jesus rejoicing and thankful to His Father in Luke chapter number 10. And then we see Jesus marvel at faith and also marvel at disbelief. I'm here to tell you tonight, our actions can affect the very feelings of our Lord Jesus Christ tonight. Jesus was baptized by immersion like a man as He went under the water and came up out of the water and we see a picture of the Trinity as God the Father says, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And as the Holy Spirit of God descended like a dove and lighted upon Him. We see Jesus tempted in the desert as a man. You see, He experienced hatred. Jesus experienced rejection. Jesus uh, experienced betrayal. He was even captured by His enemies. Jesus felt pain and He felt anguish. And his body, soul, and spirit were all affected by the heartache that he experienced. He experienced very difficult circumstances in life. As there were times where Jesus is alone, we find that at other times he's dependent for others for food. And as we've mentioned already, providing a boat for him to use or a donkey for him to ride or even a home for him to stay. He experienced threats of all kinds hazards and all kinds of unpopularity. He experienced danger and was able to slip through avoiding capture at one point. And yet through all of the heartache and pain and trials, Jesus was completely submitted to the will of His Father. And Jesus was a man who sought to please the Father in all things. He humbled Himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. 
May I say tonight that Jesus even died the death of a real man. I know this is a morbid topic tonight, but when we stop and consider that Jesus experienced the reality of death and the bitterness of death, He had endured the sorrow as well of those who were close to Him through that process. And we think of Mary. Jesus felt unimaginable pain. Jesus felt unspeakable anguish. Jesus, as He hung on the cross, even said, I thirst. Jesus, the man, as He hung on that tree, as He hung there in the ninth hour, the Bible records for us in Matthew chapter 27 and verse 46, as He cried aloud, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And as Jesus hung there on the cross, and as the sins of this world were placed on His shoulders, your sins and mine, God the Father had to turn the back, His back on God the Son as He couldn't look at the sin that was placed upon Christ at that time. My God, my God, why hast Thou forsaken me? And when Jesus cried with a loud voice, He said, Father, into Thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, He gave up the ghost. Blood and water flowed from a spear that had wounded His side. His body was taken into a place of a tomb that was borrowed. But I'm thankful tonight that on that third day up from the grave, He arose with a mighty triumph for His foes. Jesus, as He died a physical death, we know that He also had a bodily resurrection. He appeared to His disciples as they recognized Him. And He showed them His hands. He showed them His feet. He showed them His side. He walked with them and He talked with them. He even ate with them. Jesus, my friend, not only rose from the grave in bodily form, but I would submit to you that Jesus is in heaven today as a real man. The manhood of Jesus did not cease when He ascended to heaven. As we come to Acts chapter 7, and Peter is being stoned for preaching the Word of God, Peter uh, 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 Stephen looks up to heaven, and the Bible tells us in Acts 7 verse 56, he said, Behold, I see the heavens open, and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Although Jesus was made in the likeness of man, He was not absolutely like other man. He was in fact the God-man and chose to come to live and die for us and rise from the grave. And so tonight we come to the question, why is the humanity of Christ so important for us today? What does it mean, the fact that Jesus was in, in human form, that He was robed in flesh? I would submit to you tonight that the humanity of Christ makes it possible for Jesus to die as our sacrifice. You see, without the humanity of Christ, we would not have salvation tonight. And I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that I stand before you, a child of my heavenly Father, and I'm on my way to heaven for all of eternity because of the blood Jesus shed on the cross and the payment that He made for our sins and the fact that I placed my faith in Him. Romans 5.8, we all know it well, but God commendeth His love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If all we had was the deity of Christ and we didn't have the humanity of Christ, 
Jesus, in fact, would not have been crucified on Calvary's tree. Not only does the humanity of Christ make it possible for Jesus to die for us, but the humanity of Christ helps us to realize that our Lord understands us. Years ago, I was reading in a particular book about the deity and the humanity of Christ. And I read an illustration that's always stuck in my mind about a man who was out in his garden. He loved his garden and tilled his garden and he was constantly working in his garden. And one day he went out to a particular area that he was going to begin to cultivate over the next few days. And he saw an anthill. And ants were busily working about their anthill and they were moving around on that anthill and busy. And he thought to himself, I really don't want to kill these ants, you know. As he looked at those ants, he thought to himself, all the work and all the trouble they're going through is about to be destroyed. And he thought to himself, I wish there was a way that I could communicate to them. And I don't think that that illustration does justice by any stretch of the means. But I would submit to you tonight that while I believe God knows all things and understands us, I believe one of the reasons He became flesh was to help us understand that He understands us. And He knows exactly what we're going through. Several years ago, I was playing basketball with Josiah and Jeremiah, my older boys. They were younger boys at the time, eight years old, seven, six, seven, eight years old. And I remember as we were playing basketball, they began to get frustrated a little bit as they looked to me and they said, Dad, it's easy for you up there, but it's hard for us down here. And the humanity of Christ, the fact that Jesus became flesh for us, is evidence to us that we can never point our finger or shake our fist at God and say, God, it's easy for you up there. But it's so hard for us down here because God understands every heartache, every trial, every temptation that we face. God knows what it is like for us here on earth because He in fact came in person. He lived among us. He experienced life from our perspective and even our human limitations many times. He knows the trials that we go through and He understands the pressures that we face. And so I ask the question tonight, have you ever come to a place in your life where you longed for someone who knew exactly what you were going through? And I would say tonight, Jesus is in fact that someone. I had put in my notes, not knowing that we would sing the song, No One Ever Cared For Me Like Jesus. I love that song. There's no other friend so kind as He. What a blessing to know that Jesus cares for us. Jesus experienced the pressures of living in a sin-cursed earth. He felt all our human emotions, rejection, loss, grief, heartache. But He also experienced joy and encouragement and victory. Jesus understood poverty and He felt, he felt the oppression and the pain of governmental uh, 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 oppression, if you would. Jesus knew about living in obscurity and He knew about living in popularity. Hebrews 4 verse 15 tells us He was uh, at all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. And so tonight the humanity of Christ makes it possible for Christ to be crucified for us. The humanity of Christ helps us realize our Lord understands us everything that we will ever go through. 
And yet the humanity of Christ also qualifies Jesus to be our mediator. And I love this thought right here. I'd like to ask you to take your Bibles and turn to Job chapter 9 if you would. And I want you to see this thought tonight as I had never really spent time considering this. And I know I'd read over it in years past. But we come to Job chapter 9 and in chapter 8, his friend Elphaz is is, uh, excuse me, Bildad is telling Job that he needs to repent. And a few chapters prior, Elphaz is telling him that innocent people will prosper. And boy, he's got these great friends who are really encouraging him after he's lost everything in life. And Job answers in Job chapter 9, and you come down to verse 32, and I want you to see this with me. It says, for he is not a man, speaking of God now, for he is not a man as I am, that I should answer him, and we should come together in judgment. Job is at a place in his life where he's trying to understand why he's going through what in fact he's going through. He has taken inventory and audited his life and said, you know, what is it that's causing this in my, in my life? And we know that Job was a righteous man, a man that feared God and eschewed evil. And he wanted to be reconciled to God, not understanding why. And Job is saying in this text, if, if God were a man, I could talk to Him. And this is the reason that God became man, so that we in fact could talk to Him. That's the thrust of the message tonight. And we must understand and realize that we cannot meet God's holy standards as sinners. There was only one man that ever lived that met God's standards, and that was the Lord Jesus Christ. He lived a perfectly sinless life and died for us. You see, because Jesus was a man, we can go to Him now. We have access to Him. He died for us on that cross, and He reveals to us by His life that we cannot meet God's perfect standard. And that's why we need a Savior tonight. And that's exactly what Job was longing for as you come to verse 33. If you'd look with me, Job 9 verse 33. He said, neither is there any, and you can circle this word, daysman. Another word for that would be an umpire or a mediator betwixt us that might lay his hand upon us both. In the Eastern civilization, a daysman back then, when there was a problem or a conflict between two parties... They would come along and bring one person in one hand and the other person in the other and become the mediator, become the umpire, if you would, and make sure that there was a remedy between the two. And Job's complaint in this text was that he had no mediator between him and God. His cry was for someone who could put their hand in Job's hand and put their hand in God the Father's hand and would bring them back together. And that's what a daysman was. As Job was crying out, can you hear him say, I need, I need a mediator. And yet Paul cried in 1 Timothy 2.5, there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Today Christ is our mediator. And we can come boldly to the throne of grace. Romans 5.1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Let's go ahead and turn over to Romans if we can for the sake of time. I want you to see this passage with me as well. Romans chapter number 5. 
These are beautiful verses if they're not marked in your Bible. It says in verse 1, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. But then he says in verse 2, By whom also we have access by faith unto this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. I'm submitting to you tonight that because of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have a mediator. The Bible tells us we have an advocate. And the Bible tells us we have an intercessor. And as Stephen was being stoned, as he looked up to heaven and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the throne of God, the Father, he knew that he had his mediator there. He knew that he had his uh, intercessor there. He knew that he had his advocate there. Tonight, the humanity of Christ also sets a standard for you and I and how we live our lives in this world. As we think of our text there in Philippians, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. God desires for you and I to be conformed to the image of Christ. God desires for you and I to live a life that's pleasing to the Heavenly Father through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ as He conforms us to His image, as we strive to please the Lord as Jesus said, I do always those things which please the Father. We strive to have the mind of Christ as we know the Word of God. Romans chapter 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Jesus was our living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Hebrews chapter 13 tells us, For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Boy, that encourages my mind at times when I start getting fearful and afraid as we look at the circumstances that we live in. And the Bible goes on to say in Hebrews 13 verse 6, So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. My friend, because of the Lord Jesus Christ's humanity, I can boldly go to the throne of grace and obtain mercy and find that grace to help in time of need. But I'm also reminded tonight, I can boldly say He will be that helper. We don't have to fear what man will do to us. The psalmist said in Psalm 46 and verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. This reminded me of the story of King George VI and his wife Elizabeth. They refused to leave London during the most difficult, challenging, and darkest days of World War II. Although the Germans were relentlessly bombing the city, there was a deep fear for their lives that was very legitimate. And yet the king and queen chose not to be evacuated to stay with their countrymen. And on more than one occasion, they barely escaped death. The king was inspecting one day a section of the city that had been bombed terribly after an air raid. He was there combing through the rubbish. An elderly man recognized the king 
And as he worked his way through the rubble, his eyes began to tear up as he looked at the king and said, You are here. You are here. And then he said these words, You are a good king. And tonight, the humanity of our Savior reminds me that we serve a great king tonight. As he left all that he was able to, 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 uh, uh, to glory in with the Father, he left that glory and splendor and riches to come to this sin-cursed earth. He came to our darkness. He came to our helplessness. He came to our sinfulness. He came to help us. And now He's promised to never leave us or forsake us even in our darkest hour. Not only does God understand our heartache and our trials that we go through, but He desires to help us through those times and use the circumstances to conform us to the image of His dear Son. And I'm reminded of Paul again who wrote to the believers at Philippi in Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 6. And here's what Paul said. He said, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. I'm thankful tonight that Paul had confidence in that church just as the Lord Jesus Christ, I believe, looks at us tonight and He has confidence in you and He has confidence in me, not in our flesh, but in the fact that we've been born again children of God and that we are uh, desiring to be filled with His Spirit and led by Him, obedient to His Word, striving to please the Father God, I believe, looks upon us tonight knowing that we have a desire to please Him in this day and in this hour. You see, all through the ministry of Jesus Christ, He changed lives. He gave sight to the blind. He gave uh, hearing to the deaf. He gave strength to the lame. He gave healing to the lepers. He even gave life to the dead. He fed the hungry. He comforted the hurting. He rebuked the proud. And He forgave the repentant. Everywhere Jesus went, He brought change. Not always a change in their circumstances, but a change in their lives from the inside out. And I'm reminded tonight, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior tonight, I want to encourage you in just a few moments to come and trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. What a wonderful Savior we serve. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.